Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B, and on this show, we'll talk truth on tough topics to help you normalize and navigate the junk and invite you to choose epic joy on the daily. Because let's be honest, life gets to be a whole lot of both. We'll jam on beliefs, breakups, body image, and so much more to create breakthroughs and become the truest you. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I have an incredible guest with you today to share with you today. Miss Jamie Lerner is the co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. She can put a fresh spin on just about anything that anyone throws her way. Her unique and masterful ability to reframe even the most difficult situations is astounding. All of a sudden, your biggest nightmare becomes your greatest pleasure, and she lovingly helps you sift through the contrast and find that small opening of light that quickly becomes your greatest jumping off point for clarity. Unassuming, reassuring, and seemingly without any sense of ego, Jamie Lerner is about is able to put everyone and everything at ease. Jamie is an asset to any corporate setting. She is easily able to untangle the issues at hand and move right along into help helping facilitate a solution-based platform for creative, productive, good-feeling collaboration and change. Jamie Lerner can often be seen working with individuals, children, adults, and couples, as well as small groups. She never positions herself as an expert of anything and is always reminding you that it is you who knows best for yourself always. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. We are so, so happy to have you here today. And you guys, today we're really going to dive deep into pieces of Jamie's book and also her personal experience. Um, But really, the art of allowing and finding the personal vision to move forward through any difficulty. And Jamie, I'm just so grateful to have you here to share your personal experience, your growth through this. Um, You have a beautiful, beautiful background and just this wonderful essence of being curious around every corner. So let's just dive right into your personal story. And it seems like you've always had this real deep self-discovery and and really known yourself from the get-go. But Share maybe the missing link, the missing piece and what you learned through your relationship uh, with your mother. So I was born with a knowing and I think we all are. And fortunately, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of permission to know myself and to be curious about myself and to really stay true to myself. And so this was a wonderful place and time to grow up. However, as connected as I've always felt to myself, I did not feel the connection to my mom. And so that was always really curious and to me because it didn't seem right that I would be so connected to me, but not to the person that birthed me. Um, And it took me a really long time to figure it out. Um, So throughout most of my life, I would say half of my life, I thought that maybe it had something to do with me. And so I spent a lot of time in different ways vying for my mom's attention, although never straying from my clear and very true knowing of me. Mm. And 
Go ahead. I'm like, so I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, you know, I was a really difficult child. Um, I didn't have much to push against in my home because my parents were very um, allowing of me. However, outside of my home, I was not the child or young adult or teenager that any parent wanted their child to hang out with. Um, I was really ahead of my time and impossible to influence and just beat to a different drum. Mm. So uh, very rebellious in, um, so (laughs) it was, you know, I think it was, it was challenging for other people to, um, to try to influence me. Um, and as I got older and more clear and more and more clear every single year, um, I think I was able to really mature into, um, kind of maintaining a more uh, graceful way of walking through the world. Um, I studied psychology. I went on to get my master's in social work and did some other training and had a, um, psychotherapy practice for quite a long time and part of my knowing was that the psychotherapy was not working it wasn't working for me to continue to ask people to look backwards when in fact I believe that people want to move forward mm-hmm. so I gave that up um, and now I do something different I do um, something called the integrative approach to well-being which is really assisting other people assist themselves. My moment of true clarity, the relationship with my mom, was when she became ill and was hospitalized and intubated. And I sat with her for five days and felt so close to her, so connected, so clear, like, oh my goodness, this was going to be the beginning of our mother and daughter relationship. I felt all the love flow through her to me and me to her. And it just it was just a wonderful time. And then she transitioned. And I thought, oh my goodness, like it, it was my mother's inability to be connected to herself her whole life that really was the challenge for me to connect with her. So I sat down with my good friend who knew my mom and family really well. And we wrote this book in a weekend. It just poured through me. And I dedicated this book to my mom because without her, I would have never known myself so well. So Mm, that is all so beautiful and juicy in every single way, (laughs) just in every single way. And I think what really hit me the hardest was you saying that it was your mother's inability to really know herself. Exactly. And that was really the missing link that you the disconnect in knowing her so deeply wasn't in you, it was in her. Because it sounds like you you really stayed true to who you were for the majority of your life. And for those people listening, how do you stay true to yourself? Sometimes it feels like such a struggle. How do you stay true to yourself? You know, I think that we know ourselves and our voice. And through the contrast of just life, that we tend to, instead of tune in, we tune that little voice out. It's kind of like someone tapping us on the shoulder and we brush it off, like not now, you know, I I can't listen to this now, I can't deal with this now. And we put off creating and recreating the relationship 
that we have with ourselves. But we know it. And when we tune in, it feels like home. Mm. So sitting quietly with ourselves, which seems difficult at times, but sitting quietly with ourselves with a sense of loving curiosity is really where we get to, I would say, reacquainted with our true selves. And when we do, it, it does feel like coming home. It feels like the most natural and most wonderful little voice that hopefully then becomes our guide to tune in, to trust ourselves, to know ourselves, to believe ourselves. You know, we have intu intuition and intuitions all the time. And just to acknowledge that at times you knew, but you chose not to follow through with what you knew, that is so powerful. Because it reinforces that, of course, you know. Of course, you always know for yourself. So, yeah, it's an option, a lovely option. Mm, I love that you said that you often have the answers, but you choose not to listen to them, right? Yes. There's yes. just oftentimes, and I love that you said this stillness as well, I found on my own personal journey that I resisted the stillness and the softness and the quiet for so, so long because I had a lot of stories around um, productivity and have to go, 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 go. And it wasn't until I really sat with myself that the truth of myself really did start to pour in. So do you have any techniques that you give um, your clients to really find that stillness and that soft, quiet voice that often gets buried beneath the, the loudness? You know, I really ask people to sit with themselves for just five minutes first thing in the morning and to listen to the mind chatter. Mm. Because when we can tune in to these unconscious messages and kind of mantras that we are telling ourselves a lot of the time, we could only laugh because 90% of it is not true. And we would never speak to another person the way we speak to ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. We're so judgmental with ourselves. So to listen to that and to really hear it and then really to like throw yourself on the floor and laughter because mm. it, is, it's, it is ridiculous. It's just, it is <laughs> nothing but ridiculous. And I think that the laughter really kind of breaks up the fear of addressing ourselves because now we can do it with a, some levity, kind of a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. um, sitting with ourselves a few minutes, first thing in the, in the day, I think that it gives us a message that we're important and that we matter. And the message coming from ourselves to ourselves is the most meaningful message. It's not from our parents or our spouses or our children or, you know, it's really, how are we feeling about ourselves? How are we receiving ourselves? How are we relaxing into ourselves? How are we loving ourselves? And mm. especially now with what's going on, I think the most important thing is self-care. How can we care for ourselves before we go on to care for others? Mm, that's so important. I've never heard anybody describe the kind of um, release in laughter. And that just made me want to laugh out loud. That made me really, really joyful to 
I think sometimes we need that permissioning, right? That permissioning of you are allowed to sit in stillness and give yourself that self-care and that self-love and you are allowed to release it. And it doesn't have to look like one thing. It doesn't always have to be screaming. It can be laughing. It can be crying. It can be whatever that form of expression looks like for you. And, and I love the opportunity to invite laughter in and just make light of the fact that certain thoughts are just not yours. They're just not yours to hold on to. No, they're not. And I catch myself all day long laughing because (laughs) I'll I'll like become aware of a thought I'm having. And it's so ridiculous. It's not based in my now at all. So yeah, I think laughter is, is, it's a, it's a great way to, um, yeah. (laughs) Mm. Well, I, I've also heard people describe you as being really this masterful woman of reframing. Can you talk a little bit about the power of reframing and what that looks like? Yes. Oftentimes, it's not our situation that we're having a difficult time with, but it's how we're choosing to feel about our situation. And I think that when we begin to wrap our minds around the idea that we have a choice that we can make about how we're going to feel about doing something before we do it. I think that's really helpful. However, that requires taking some personal responsibility and not being the victim of a situation like the victim of work or if you're a mom or if you're in a relationship. But it also feels really good to know that you're going to go to work no matter what, and you have a choice how you're going to feel about it. So you can pretty much reframe any situation and allow yourself to feel good about it because you're going one way or the other. You can go feeling good, choosing to feel good, or you can go choosing not to feel good. So reframing is just a wonderful way to step into your power and have some control over where you are and what you're doing. Yes, I love this and and that you use the word control because the only thing that we can really control is that choice, the choice that we make. And I think that, um, you know, at least in my world of, of food and body coaching, there's so often times, and tell me if this resonates with you, um, there's so often times where people who struggle with food and body, and, and I used to be one of them, try to control everything around them, try to control the food, the calories, the intake, the exercise, the routine. And there's so many parts that are so rule bound instead of reframing our relationship to it and knowing that none of that, we, we don't need to control any of that when we learn to trust ourselves and know that we're in control to choose something different for ourselves. Is that making sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And it's really so true. And it's interesting because food is a joy. You know, we have weaponized food and turned it into some guilty pleasure. But, you know, the thing I do all day long is I eat with my eyes. I look at something or I think about something, and then I go into such specific detail about it that literally by the end of just thinking about it, feeling it in my hands, tasting it in my mouth, after all of that, then I just don't even want it anymore. Like I literally had it. 
So it's how can you get into alignment with eating something? The rule is usually, can you feel good before, during, and after? And it really takes a conscious moment to think about that. You know? And if you can feel good before, during, and after, I would say eat it because it will be a really joyful experience. Thank you so much for phrasing it in that way. That was really beautiful. And what I hear you calling out is just presence. You use the word alignment, just fully present with yourself and your essence and your body is included in that. And making food and experience is the most beautiful thing that we can do. It's not just this rush thing and it's not just nourishment, right? It's more that it's far beyond that. It really is an experience. Yes. Of all the senses. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm all about joy. That's my brand. Yes. <laughs> and joy means so much to me. So to hear you remind folks that, that food is joy. It is not a weapon used against you. It is not punishment. We don't have to feel guilt, blame, or shame as a result of how we um, consume, right? Anything. Yes, I think that's true. And I also think that if you're choosing to feel not good about something that you're going to sit down and eat, make it a conscious choice. You're not a victim to the food. So you can sit down and say, yes, I am going <laughs> to, I don't want to say mindfully because I, but yes, I am mindfully going to eat this knowing I'm not in alignment with it and I'm not going to feel good about it. But that gives you power. That gives you control. You're making a conscious choice. I think that's really wonderful option too. Mm, absolutely. The power of choice is, is one of a kind. You talk about in your book, one of, one of your chapters, which obviously caught my eye as I was reading through the contents is it's called the purpose of our life is joy. Do you want to talk a little bit about that chapter? Well, I really do believe the purpose of our life is joy. And I believe that we are here to, through our connection with ourselves and feeling really, really good about ourselves, then from that point, we can extend that unconditionally with two hands to others or another. And that feels really good to move about the world that way in our interpersonal relationships or in just even within ourselves. I also believe that that is God-given, you know. That's something that, you know, is a birthright for all of us. And we tend to cut ourselves off from those good feeling thoughts. So if we can reach always for the thought that feels better, and right now, for me personally, as what's going on in our entire world is, I say to myself, if believing feels better than not believing, believe. And so I do so with a lot of joy. And that's what has been getting me through day to day as I selectively sift through the news, which is challenging right now, mm -hmm. and try to find uh, some of the joyful things that are happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said selectively selectively watching, selectively consuming, because I think that that's a really powerful piece is really making sure that we use our brains 
in a way that support us. And a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to um, stop processing the things that don't serve us or stop putting ourselves in situations where it's just like making more toxicity come in. And whether that's uh, TV consumption or relationships or, um, you know, touch points with others that are not leading to this fulfillment of joy, not contributing to joy. I love to always be taking one step closer and closer and living in unison with it rather than anything else. To me, it's the highest vibration that can be felt in the body, even above love. Like it, it really is. So what are some ways that people can really tap into their joy? I think that um, if we can manage our thoughts, which is really where it all begins and ends every moment when you are thinking something, usually you have a visceral feeling. You can feel it in your body. And if what you're thinking about is not feeling good to you, then how can you shift your thoughts in that moment to something that will feel better? Mm. So it probably will take 30 days, but once you get the hang of this, you really have full control moment to moment, what you're choosing to think about and how you're choosing to feel. Mm. And once you get hooked on that, you get really sensitive because you are feeling joyful most of the time and you don't have a high tolerance for anything that's a lower vibration than that. Mm. So um, it's kind of like retraining our senses and trusting ourselves to know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And we don't need to talk to anyone about it. It's nobody's business what we're thinking about what we're choosing to think about, how we're choosing to feel. We can excuse ourselves in a very nice way and just maintain the connection with ourselves. Mm. I think that that's something that, especially during these times, we, we need to do more. We can do more of that. I think always recalibrating and inviting ourselves to choose again. That's something that I use with my clients all the time is choose again, choose again, choose again. And sometimes we may have to invite ourselves and our busy brains to choose again multiple times. (laughs) At least I find myself having to choose choose again multiple times, right? But the power does lie within us to choose again choose again, choose again. And I love that. Um, There's another chapter in your book that is so intriguing to me, and I would love to pull on that. And it's this topic of deliberate creation. Can you tell me what is deliberate creation and what what does that look like? Well, I think that you ask people all day long what they want, and they tell you all day long what they do not want. And what do they have? They have what they do not want. So, (laughs) yes, asking people what they want and giving them permission to really start thinking about what they are wanting is, um, it's a lovely invitation. And hopefully it shifts people more into focusing on what they do want, using the contrast of what they did not want to allow what they do want to become more clear. And when we focus on what we want, that's how we deliberately 
creating. And when we focus on what we do not want, that is usually what people are living, which is not necessarily their entire life. It is in this moment, the life that they have created. So you can create and recreate your life every single moment. However, only you can do this for yourself. Nobody else can create your life for you because you are the thinker of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Once again, personal responsibility, and it gets very exciting when people buy into this concept because they really understand that, you know, they're, they are so powerful, they can create anything for themselves. They can have anything, they can create anything, they can be anything, they can do anything for themselves. Not for another, but for themselves. Mm, this option is so empowering when you think about it. It's so empowering to know that you are the creator and the destroyer of everything in your life. And when we take personal accountability, full, like radical self-responsibility and acknowledgement that I've created everything and I've destroyed everything that I, that I see in my life. And so it's really, really empowering because, and like you said, exciting because you get to start to create what's next. Yes. And, and start creating that in each and every moment, in each and every interaction, in all parts of your day. And I know that I found this to be a really exciting ride, just learning to uncover and discover the woman that I am. And you, you will discover her over and over and over again. And I yeah. think women are brilliant at recreating themselves. Um, it is, it's very exciting. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. This has been a, an incredible touch point. Um, I can't wait to read the rest of your book and get the, get the book and read the rest of your book. Just knowing what we've discovered in this short conversation, but I, Jamie, I really want to make sure that people know where to find you. We're going to put everything in the show notes so you guys can find it all there, but just give us a, a little spin on what you're up to these days. What's exciting you and what should everybody know? So I have a website. It's www.jamie-learner.com. Everything about me is on the website, and I have a service called the Quickie, a lovely texting option, which is allows people to text with me, and I text back with them, and I, I really like it because it's like having this ongoing uh, transcript that you can go back to and, and really see that you really knew the answer to the questions that you were texting me. So I'm just the conduit for you. I love <laughs> this option <laughs> so stinking much, you guys. And go to her website and get this because she's offering all of you listening free 15 minutes of her quickie texting service. And I can't imagine why you wouldn't take an advantage of this. It is such a beautiful <laughs> opportunity to connect with her, to find what's going on within you and just have that gentle guidance as much as you desire. So go to her website, take advantage of the quickie texting. It's just such a loving way that you are serving so many people right now. So thank you for doing that. I have two closing questions, if you don't mind, that I ask everybody on every single episode. And the first one is, Jamie, what do you love most about yourself? The connection, 
that I have with myself and that I maintain with myself. That's what I love the most about myself. And because I'm so connected to myself, it allows me to be of service to so many other people. Mm. Mm. That's so good. I'm so glad that this alignment is your true soul's assignment and that is just living in your truth. It's beautiful. And the last question that I have is, what does joy feel like to you? It feels like well-being. That's what it feels like. It feels like just relaxing into this place that feels like home. I just had to close my eyes because I felt, I felt that description fully in my body. Thank you for that, Jamie. And thank you for coming on the show, sharing your greatness, sharing your light. It's truly an honor to have had you come on today. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own junk to joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcast. To learn more about Cup of Joy the Podcast, and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.